the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll with your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian discuss current events from a biblical worldview, so we as believers can influence for good in our culture and in the public square. Here is Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Hello, Biblical Citizens. Because it's such an important concept, Brian and I will be discussing the doctrine of the lesser magistrate again today. If you missed it, you can listen to the first podcast that we had about it a few weeks ago, episode 160, on any podcast platform or on the KPRZ Biblical Citizen website. In this episode, our pastor, Gary Cass of Christ Community Reformed Church, discussed the concept of this doctrine with the author of a very important book about it, the, called The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrate, A Proper Resistance to Tyranny and a Repudiation of Unlimited Obedience to Civil Government. The author is Matthew J. Druella. And this book is available in major book outlets. But let's review here exactly what this doctrine is all about, because it's so important. It's been implemented in history. It's been implemented in the Bible. And let's look at how it's being implemented today, because it's a proper response to the tyranny that we're seeing. How can we more fully implement this strategy today here in California, where our state government has gotten so out of control? So, first of all, Kathleen, let's talk about what is the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. What exactly is a magistrate? That's not a term that you hear a lot these days. It's an older term, but it's still a valid legal term. It applies to any person in civil government with authority All the way from President Joe Biden, he's a magistrate. Uh, Some aren't too happy about that, but he's a magistrate. Everyone he's appointed, every member of Congress, every judge, and then right down to the state level, the legislators, state officials, county supervisors, at the local level, mayors, school board members. Did you know that even police officers and even teachers are considered to be civil magistrates? So... Truella's definition declares that when the superior authority makes unjust or immoral laws or decrees or unconstitutional, the lesser-ranking civil authority has both a right and a duty to refuse to obey that superior authority. If necessary, the lesser authority, again, has the actual duty to actively resist the higher authority. And this idea stems from the truth that God is the ultimate authority on earth. God is. All authority to govern is delegated from God. 
Daniel 14:17 says, "The most high rules over the realm of mankind, that's all of mankind and over the cosmos. God has set up certain deep structures in the way the world and humanity are created. He gave us his law at Sinai, and he's established four forms of government to which he delegates authority. These are the four forms. First, self-government. Second, family government. Third, church government. And fourth, civil government. So we should really think about this for a minute. Let's think about, first of all, self-government. Man must be governed, as the captain of the ship said in the movie Master and Commander. Do we think about the fact that we've been given the responsibility to govern ourselves? And that means our thoughts, our emotions, and beliefs that lead to our actions. The Bible is filled with wisdom. It's filled with commandments about how godly men and women should govern themselves. There are many scriptures commanding us to be courageous in spite of our fears, to control our anger before it becomes destructive, to rid ourselves of malice, to love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. What's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, might, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. That means taking every thought captive to think about godly things all the time. The Sermon on the Mount teaches about managing or killing lustful or revengeful thoughts before they ever develop into adultery or murder. Jesus said, as a man thinketh, so is he. So we are definitely commanded to control and manage our thoughts and our our emotions. We should take this responsibility very seriously as these laws are for our own good. Good self-government of individuals is where good government of a nation starts. So the next realm is family government. So the husband and the wife should be governing themselves in godly ways so that love and respect rule in the home. The biblical model is that the man is the head of the home and the wife is a helpmate. But if you step back, I won't say but, but if you step back for a moment, there's practically three ways a couple can make decisions. The husband could end up being the tyrant over the wife. The wife can be the tyrant over the husband. Or they can learn to negotiate with each other. People should learn and be taught how to respectfully negotiate in their relationships. And this would prevent the abuse of power that so often happens in families. So the father has the delegated authority, biblically, to be the head of the household. But the father's power is not unlimited. For instance, if a father or husband told his wife or his son to go and rob a bank... We hope that the wife or the son would refuse to do it because that's an abuse of power. But abuse of power doesn't just happen in homes. Let's now move to church government. Church government, yes, can be sticky business as well. There has to be rules of church order. And the officers of the church, whether it's pastors, elders, deacons, in some denominations, bishops, priests, they're assigned certain roles. The Bible spells out these roles and responsibilities and how to make decisions. It might be tempting for church officers not to go through these processes. Sometimes they can let ambition or the desire for control enter in, but all need to submit to the Lord. He's the one that's delegated any authority that church leaders have. 
Finally, we have civil governments. Civil governments, the Bible tells us, only have their authority to govern because God has put them there. That's clear throughout the Bible. Jesus said it directly to Pontius Pilate, and it's especially spelled out in Romans chapter 13. The ruler, it is said, is to punish wrongdoing and maintain order. But rulers, like the other realms, are always limited in their authority according to God's law. Truella has a whole chapter on the proper interpretation of Romans 13. It does not mean we're to always submit to ungodly authority. So again, whether it's in the home, the church, or the civil government, we are not to submit to ungodly authority. The doctrine of the lesser magistrate has been practiced many times going back in recorded history on the principle that a lower leader can interpose when a higher authority oversteps his delegated authority and begins hurting the people he's supposed to protect. Even unbelieving magistrates have a sense of justice and are willing to risk their own well-being sometimes on the behalf of innocent people. And, And a story that illustrates this is that in 39 AD, Publius Petronius was the Roman governor of Syria and Palestine under the emperor Caligula, the emperor of Rome. Well, Caligula was convinced of his own divinity, and he ordered Petronius to assemble half his army and install a statue of himself in the Jewish temple at Jerusalem. The Jews saw this order as a severe affront to what they held sacred, of course. And what did they do, though? They sent numerous delegations to protest before the governor concerning this attempt to profane their temple. Not only that, but tens of thousands of people peacefully gathered, and they camped out for 40 days in protest. Petronius was so deeply moved by their reasoning and good conduct that he wrote to Caligula and entreated the the emperor to annul the order. Petronius took the risk of enraging the emperor, and sure enough, When Caligula received the letter from him, he angrily ordered him to commit suicide. Wow. That's a tough order. (laughs) Wow. How'd you like to get that order? The Roman Empire was a brutal empire. I tell you, uh, you'd have to be the emperor on that one? Wow. Well, but ironically, Caligula was assassinated by his own Praetorian guards before the ship carrying the order to Petronius to for him to commit suicide even got there. So that was fortunately it was, you know, God answered the prayers of the Jews. The statue was never placed in the temple. And this story is in historically it's not recorded in the Bible, but there's many examples in the Bible of lesser magistrates interposing on behalf of their people. In fact, the great uh, reformer John Knox He cited over 70 different instances in the Bible, which he wrote in his book, Appalachian, the best treatise on the doctrine of the lesser magistrate considered to ever be written. And that was in 1558. Right. So let's review a few examples from the Bible. There were the Hebrew midwives who defied Pharaoh when they hid baby Moses for three months, and then they put him on the Nile in a basket instead of allowing them to him that is moses to be killed that's what was ordered 
by the upper magistrate. And then years later, as a mature man, Moses himself interposed between the Hebrew people and the leader of the powerful Egyptian empire and led the Jews to freedom. Not many of you may realize that Daniel was a lesser magistrate in the Babylonian empire when he was forced into the lion's den rather than worship you could say the politically correct gods of that time. So Emperor Darius had set Daniel up as one of his leading magistrates to whom the lower, even lower magistrates, they were called satraps, reported to Daniel. But then Darius issued the decree that all must worship his idol, and Daniel refused. And he made sure everyone could see his upper room window. They could see that he was worshiping the God of Israel and only the God of Israel. So he risked only he risked not only his high-ranking job, but of course he risked his life. And then in the New Testament, the three wise kings from the east, they defied King Herod. They did not return to tell him where the infant Jesus was. And they sure took their lives in their hands when they did that. And in the fifth book of Acts, the chapter of Acts, the apostles were told to stop preaching about Jesus. What was their response? We ought rather to obey God than men. The apostle Paul was actually the author of the often misused Romans 13. He went to jail numerous times rather than obey decrees that he should stop preaching the gospel of Jesus. In the book of Acts, he actually rejoices that his imprisonment was helping to grow the church. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, In Damascus, the governor, under King Aratas the king, was guarding the city of Damascus with a garrison, desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. So even the apostle Paul craftily fled rather than submit to the unrighteous decree of the king who wanted to stop the message of the resurrection of Christ. These are just a few of the examples of the doctrine of the lesser magistrate found in the Bible, but let's look at some more examples from history. One of the most important documents ever written that limits government is the Magna Carta. The nobles at Runnymede in England in 1215 demonstrated this doctrine. They were lesser magistrates, but they interposed against the tyranny of King John and insisted that he signed that Magna Carta, and it's the basis of so many other documents like the Mayflower Compact and and for the United States Constitution, for that matter. So an, another very important example of a lesser magistrate intervening against a tyrant to affect all of history is when Frederick the Wise who was an elector of Saxony, a province in Germany, refused to carry out Emperor Charles V's death sentence against the fiery monk, Martin Luther. The Protestant Reformation might never have even taken hold had not Frederick the Wise sheltered Martin Luther and refused to turn him over to the tyrant. This act of harboring and defending Martin Luther had far-reaching implications for the Reformation, because not only was Martin Luther able to continue his work of translating the Bible and preaching sermons and publishing pamphlets and, and, 
and all the work that he did, not only was he allowed to carry on with that, but 30 years later, in 1550, Charles V again issued the Augsburg Interim, a law that attempted to force Protestants back under Roman Catholic rule. But the men of another province in Germany, Magdeburg, bravely upheld God's word and fealty to Christ alone. They stood their ground even against Charles's army. They defended their position in what became known as the Magdeburg Confession, the first formally written statement of the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. The siege of Magdeburg ended in the death of 4,000 of Charles V's soldiers, but only 468 Magdeburg defenders. The Magdeburg leaders stood fast and said, Divine laws necessarily trump human ones. Now, John Knox, in his appellation, his famous book, he took to task the lesser magistrates of his day that were trying to use the higher magistrate as an excuse for doing nothing, letting his atrocities just go forward, preferring not to risk their own comfort and safety. He said to the nobles, Shall you be excused if with silence you pass over his iniquity? Be not deceived, my lords. You are placed in authority for another purpose than to flatter your king in his folly and blind rage. And of course, our founding fathers were all about the doctrine of the lesser magistrate when they fought the many battles it took to gain our independence from Great Britain. You think of George Washington you know, being the leader of the lesser magistrates that the Continental Congress were, they were subordinate, but they acted as lesser magistrates. And the Declaration of Independence lists the many tyrannical actions that King George III was imposing on the colonists. So let's move forward to the 20th century. And by the way, the reason Kathleen and I are doing another episode on this, just to review, is that we know that in our time from Washington, D.C. and from Sacramento, there's many things coming down that are not constitutional. And we're going to get in a moment to examples of a couple of those. But there's many things coming down that are not constitutional. And some Christians are under the unbiblical assumption or unbiblical belief that we are to always just obey authority above us no matter what. And that is not biblical. So let's let's look at the 20th century. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Nazi Germany. If the pastors would have listened to him and stopped Hitler, but instead they did nothing, if they would have stood up to him, many historians believe that all that anti-Semitic genocide and not to mention World War II could have been prevented. And then in the time of the Soviet Union, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, he decried that there were so many local petty tyrants in Russia, and I read his book, and this really comes true. Stalin could have never killed tens of millions of people if it were not for the cooperation of all these local magistrates. He said people could have resisted, even if they just had pitchforks or hammers, but they didn't. And so countless of their neighbors, and maybe them, ended up going to the gulags. That brings us to the role of the people ourselves. Lesser magistrates need the support of the people if they're going to successfully oppose 
an unrighteous leader or a powerful dictator. The example Kathleen said of the people supporting Petronius is an example from antiquity of people by the tens of thousands being willing to sacrifice their comforts in order to prevent a major offense to God. Let's look closer to our era, the civil rights era. Look at all the thousands that protested in civil rights marches to protest Jim Crow laws and discrimination against black people. Think about the Million Man March on Washington where Martin Luther King gave his famous I Have a Dream speech, and it changed the laws and the culture because of it. He could not have done what he did had he not had the support of millions of people. And during COVID, just the last few years, millions of people in America refused to take the COVID shot, and many lost their jobs because of it. But it was an unjust policy. The government has no right to mandate medical decisions, and many recognized that. Thousands of people were in the streets in Europe and all over America to protest vaccine passports. And because they did, in most places, vaccine passports were not implemented, even though they were planned. Parents took their children out of public schools because of the mask mandates and other mandates and stood up to school officials in school board meetings and filed lawsuits, many of which have been won. The mandates were finally lifted, and many school officials were actually forced to resign. And just in the last couple months, the governor of New Mexico issued a 30-day so-called emergency gun moratorium claiming citizens no longer had the right to carry guns, even though they had permits, Well, guess what? The chief of police of Albuquerque refused to enforce it. The attorney general of the state of New Mexico, a Democrat, refused to enforce it and said he would not protect the governor from any lawsuits. So her solitary decree was stopped in its tracks. And citizens also contacted their state reps and demanded they do something. So they stopped that unlawful decree. And as Matthew Truella states... Tyrants always rely on the unquestioning obedience of the lesser magistrates to carry out their unlawful evil into society, but they can't carry out their schemes if the lesser magistrates, including the people, will not comply. So using this doctrine of the lesser magistrates is a way we can defeat the destructive laws coming down from Sacramento, including Assembly Bill 1078 that now Newsom has signed, that strips school districts of the power to choose their own textbooks. It's an unconstitutional law. It is against the First Amendment, but they're forcing schools to adopt these books that teach elementary-grade children critical race theory that is a harmful doctrine that increases racism and that presents the reported pedophile Harvey Milk as a hero and other offensive doctrines that are against our beliefs so this uh this can be challenged in court but court cases take a long time in the meantime parents need to make decisions they should consider other options including finding other alternatives for their children and they can go to publicschoolexit.com to find people and resources that will help them do that and did you know that many People in the public school, many students are already leaving and more all the time. Did you know in the last one year alone, over 50,000 kids have left the Los Angeles public school district for other opportunities or other options? 
And, you know, it seems like the faster kids leave the public schools, the more egregious laws that Sacramento passes, putting more strings and uh, claws, if you will, on the public schools. So we're thinking maybe a, a positive thing that will come out of this, the worse the laws get, we think the more and more this exodus is going to happen from the public schools into private schools, home schools, other options. And, you know, we also need to put pressure on our public officials, our school officials and school boards to fight this law. Because you know what? Even if you may homeschool your kids or send them to a Christian school, we care about all the kids. And we care about our future and our society. So we need to attend school board meetings, whether we have kids in the public school or not. It's not just the textbooks. It's that they are keeping very vital information from parents. Now, why is that legal? Uh, it, the, the, the big battle right now is if parents have the right to know if their child is questioning their gender, that is a huge issue. And We have we, a show on that next week yes, with Brad Dacus. Tune into that. Yeah, P- Brad Dacus of the Pacific Justice Institute. I want to make you aware of a public event coming up right here in San Diego County. Dean Broyles of the National Center for Law and Policy is going to be holding a parental rights educational event. There's also going to be one or more school board members there. Thursday, October 24th, 6.30 p.m. at Christ Community Reformed Church in Escondido. That's Thursday, October 24th, 6.30 p.m., Christ Community Reformed Church in Escondido. So come and get educated. Once again, folks to bless your neighbor, pray about these things, think about ways you can implement the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. Get this book at defytyrants.com. Till next week. Join us next Saturday at noon for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis, seek to educate and activate Christians at a grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover another major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. In these tumultuous times, are you concerned about the future of freedom? The National Center for Law and Policy is your voice in the courts and culture, advocating for and defending faith, family, and religious freedom. Please continue to join our team and support our work. Find out more at our website, nclplaw.org, or visit us on Facebook. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.